Hi, Harry. How are you? Not bad, Chad. How are you? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. Whereabouts did you say you were? Uh, I live in Budapest. Oh, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it pretty hot over there at the minute? Uh, It was last week. It was very hot. But uh, okay. it's cooled down a little bit, so yeah. Fair play. So what took you over there? Well, about nine years ago, I was working in corporate America, and I got a little burnt out on on you know the rat race over there and uh, I was looking for a change and uh, I had a friend that I had met in Florida uh, that was from Hungary and uh, around that time I quit my job and I decided I'm going to travel a bit and traveled around Europe for a few months and then uh, uh, when I came here really liked it and knew some people and uh i decided you know what i'm gonna make a change and move to europe so i'm pretty happy with it overall so well amazing yeah yeah yeah. how does it very broad question but how does it compare to the us in terms of lifestyle uh (laughs) the economy is very different uh things are a lot cheaper here but of course the income is a lot less um I mean, it's still Europe and everything, but it's still, you know, kind of, you know, the history of it was, was uh, behind the Iron Curtain. And so they've only had, you know, 30 years of freedom. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a bit different. Um, you know, the uh, it, it's uh, just in general, it's uh, it's it's a really nice place if you like to travel because it's very central. Mm. Um, but I can't say like it's perfect. Of course, there's a lot of things that are not good. <laughs> yeah, fair play, mate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed your very healthy CD collection behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm a bit older. I'm 51, and you know that that was my passion uh, for a long time, uh, collecting CDs and stuff. So yeah. Mm. That is. So yeah. take us back a bit, Chad. Like you mentioned, you kind of into the Britpop scene. Yeah, uh, I mean, initially. Uh, you know, I was thinking about you know what to tell you, and everything obviously started with Britpop for me. And uh, even before that, I was a big skateboarder. I was into like a lot of punk rock and stuff back in the late '80s. And I had some friends who were really into kind of alternative stuff and. Back then, you know, that was uh, the alternative rock stuff was not very well known. Um, and uh, when I was in college, uh, I was listening to, or I was watching this. Uh, they had this show on MTV in the U.S. called 120 Minutes every every Friday night. And they showed two hours of alternative rock, you know, mu- music videos and stuff. And it was a that was really how I kind of got familiar with a lot of bands and um, you know, so I was watching that all the time. And uh, at one point uh, I saw some concerts were, you know, in Chicago and I was like, okay, I want to go see some concerts. When I was a kid, my dad was telling me about a friend of his that 
uh, used to go to concerts and he had seen like the doors in the sixties and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that when I grow up. So, uh, so the one concert that was really big for me was, um, I went to go see, uh, gallon drunk and PJ Harvey in Chicago. This was, I think 92. And, uh, it was just a mind blowing concert. Um, you know, gallon drunk. I don't know if you've heard of them, but, I think so. No. Yeah. So they're pretty like a garage rock bluesy kind of thing. And they were just the way they played just blew my mind. It's just like um, they had the one guy was playing guitar, keyboard, harmonica. And one guy was playing you know, maracas and it was really shambolic and messy. And I thought at the time I was like, is this, you know, intentional it's like seems really loose you know and then when i bought one of their cds i was like oh yeah this is how they sound you know it's crazy and pj harvey was amazing i mean to see live i was i remember i was right at the front of the stage and you know you have this small frail girl this big like rickenbacker guitar almost as big as she was you know and uh i really loved their sound and you know when i went to that concert it was like the first time going to see a band in a venue like that. And uh, it was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know? <laughs> so yeah, it was really cool. Yes. Um, all I know about music in Chicago is like a place called the Metro, is it? Yeah. That's where that show was. Uh, okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Metro uh, in my opinion, like the best venue that I've ever seen any bands play. And I've seen, uh, during that time, I saw like Blur and Suede and uh, Pulp play there. Gene was another Britpop band I saw there. And uh, yeah, it was... Oasis Aw played quite a famous gig there, I think. Uh, maybe. I didn't see that one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah, but it was a great venue. Um, so yeah, around that time, like I was really getting into the British bands much more and a lot of it was because uh, I had a friend that worked at a record store and he was telling me, Oh, you like, uh, you know, suede, you should listen to some T-Rex and you like uh, Elastica. You should listen to wire, you know, you like blur, you should listen to the kinks and all this, you know? So I started like going back and really started to get an understanding of like this whole history of British rock, which I think, you know, we have that in the States, but it's a bit, uh, I don't know. It's just not the same. And I was just drawn more to the British bands from the get go. So, yeah. You know, obviously you get to the point of the noughties and you said, you know, you had the drive to come over and check it out. Like, can you remember, I don't know, a bit of a turning point from that late nineties to the early noughties thing? Uh, well, you know, um, I think, um, you know, after Britpop, well, during that time, I, I went to London in 97. It was first first time outside the U.S. And it was mind-blowing. I loved it. And at the time, I thought, oh, it's so different. It's like going to Mars. It's completely different <laughs> culture, you know, and crazy. And now when I go to London, I'm like, ah, it's just like the U.S. But, <laughs> um, but um, you know, so I think uh, after that, I was still into music and checking out bands and stuff. But of course, you know, everyone I've listened to on your podcast agrees that, you know, there was that kind of late, late nineties lull and everyone was trying to sound like Oasis or whatever. 
and uh, there wasn't a huge amount of stuff I was into. But then uh, early 2000s, I moved to Florida and I picked up an enemy and just started going through it. You know, every week it was a ritual. You know, I'm going through the enemy, going online. And, you know, this was new at the time, too, is, you know, being able to go on MySpace. And, you know, I would literally go through the enemy and, you know, take um, the bands that I thought sounded interesting and just go on MySpace and check them out and, and you know, listen to them and stuff. And then, of course, we started getting some shows in Florida occasionally. A lot of bands would skip Florida, but, you know, uh, so it started to get exciting uh, for me and some of my friends. Um, I think really like Libertines, Fran Ferdinand, those, you know, were kind of known in the U.S. a bit. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of, dare I say, Britpop part two, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at least for me, you know, in my generation anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get to see any of those bands then in America? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was uh, quite a few. Um, like one of the shows I remember, there was a co-headlining tour with, uh, there was uh, this band called Stella Star. I don't even know where they're uh, from. Yeah, I'm, I remember them. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know them. I still don't really know them. But um, <laughs> they co-headlined with editors. And, uh, okay. Uh, so I go to the show and I'm pretty sure probably 90% of the people there were to see Stella star and editors came out, played, and I was for the, I was there for them. And it was just mind blowing. Um, and I remember like distinctly, there was like a guy standing next to me. He's like, wow, these guys are blowing my mind. You know, <laughs> uh, it was a great show, uh, to see him that early as well. Um, so yeah, there were quite a few bands that came through and, um, block party and uh so one that also i have to mention is um i think it was let me see when was it it was 2004 i think uh yeah it was like october 22nd 2004 uh libertines played in orlando and i'm pretty sure it was their last ever u.s show okay. i could be wrong but yeah and uh the Libertines in Florida, that's a weird mix. Yeah, reason. yeah. And, and oh, of course, uh, and Pete wasn't there. Uh, okay, right. Because he wasn't allowed to go. Uh, and it was his birthday. So the band sang happy birthday to him. And I just remember it was like really sweaty <laughs> and everybody was dancing and, you know, jumping up and down and it was great. And then at the end of the show, uh, Gary threw out a drumstick and I caught like the two ends of it. And there was a guy next to me, grabbed the middle. So we're fighting over this drumstick. <laughs> and I was with a friend of mine, this guy, Steve, and he grabbed the guy's nipple and started twisting it. <laughs> and so the guy let go and I actually have the, the drumstick here. Oh, so. amazing. Can I see that again? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. Ah, cool. Yeah. I'll use that as a thumbnail maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that was a really memorable show. Um, and, you know, at that time, like a lot of my friends then, they didn't, they weren't into like the British bands like I was. But, you know, I would kind of list, you know, introduce them to bands and stuff, and they'd be interested to go to concerts and stuff. And uh, 
Another one was uh, Art Brute. Uh, yeah. Uh, they came over a couple times. And I remember uh, they had an in-store signing at a record store and we got to meet them and went to see him play. And then afterwards, uh, Eddie came over and started talking to us. And I remember like having this long conversation with him about like menswear B-sides and stuff. <laughs> so he was really cool and very approachable and really friendly. And then I think it was like a couple of years later, he came back, they came back and played and he remembered me. We talked again. And so, so yeah, it was cool. Um, but yeah, it was one of the nice things, of course, I think this is kind of obvious was, um, you know, a lot of these bands when they'd come to the States, you know, they didn't have a big following. So you could go to a show and it would be fairly small. So that was like a benefit, you know, you could see them in a small venue and, uh, got to, you know, sometimes even, you know, approach them like that. So mm. that was, that was nice. And I, I'm guessing they were approachable in the UK too, but probably even more so in the U S so. No, yeah. I always think it must've been even, even now I was talking um, to Carl about, about the Arctic monkeys. Like even that they still play some pretty cool venues in America where they can't do that over here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th that still happens. Of course, they can't sell out the big venues. Um, so I just play a smaller one, but, um, I mentioned also in my message to you, like, uh, one of the bands I was really into was the rakes and, uh, at the time they didn't come to Florida, but I really wanted to see them. So it's like, uh, 2006, uh, my sister was living in Chicago. So I flew up to Chicago and, uh, took her with me to the show. And I remember it was like a weeknight. It was a Tuesday or Wednesday night or something. She had to work the next day. And so we go to this venue, the double door in Chicago and see the rakes. And, uh, after the gig, again, I was like stuck around because I didn't have to work the next day and started talking to Jamie, the bass player. And I found that like, uh, when I started talking to these bands, like wasn't so often, but you know, if I mentioned like, you know, some of the B sides that I knew, they were like, Oh, you know that. Wow. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. You know? And I remember Matt, the guitar player, uh, I mentioned, like, oh, I, I said something to him, like, it, it was kind of a fan thing. I was like, oh, I have all your albums. And he's like, yeah, all one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, wait a minute. What I meant was I have all your singles. And <laughs> I was like, kind of made a fool of myself. But um, but then after that, he was like, okay, you're cool. So, you know, we hung out and we drank for quite a while and talked about music and stuff. And uh, it was just a blast to get to, you know, meet them and talk to them and everything. And I remember we got back to the, uh, to the flat at like 2 AM or something. My sister had to go to work at like seven in the morning the next day. So she was pretty rough, but, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we went to, you know, obviously the big American, I talk a lot, talk a lot about the strokes kind of changing things. Were you into bands like the strokes or not really? Well, you know, when the strokes came out, um, I realized it was something different it was something fresh um but it wasn't something that just caught me right away and i i have to be honest you know i was always a little biased with american bands um 
I mean, I wouldn't say like I dislike American bands. Like I, I like, for example, like the Dandy Warhols, but they sound kind of British anyway. So <laughs> I think it was uh, like, like right around that time, like around 2000, like one of the bands that I really liked uh, was the Coral. Oh, yeah. But they were pretty, pretty good. So um, and they kind of had that Brit pop sound a bit, I think. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean. It wasn't till a little later I could appreciate the strokes a bit more. Mm. So, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of 22 Grand Pod. If Naughty's guitar music is your thing, then you might enjoy our Patreon page, where for £3 a month you will get access to the following series. The Naughty's Deep Dive, where we go through the likes of the Stalking Pete Doherty documentary in painful detail. My favourite 2000s album, where patrons and other guests come on to talk about their favourite album of the era. Legend or Landfill, in which we go through Enemy's top 10 albums of each year from 2001 and see if we think they are indeed legendary or for the landfill. Unsigned Stories, where we chat to bands that didn't quite make it in terms of signing that elusive record deal. We also have Fan Stories, where I talk to people about their memories and opinions on all things Naughty's Indie. You also get early access to any main podcast episodes and it's also worth checking out the YouTube page where you can see extended video versions of the interviews as well as plenty of other bits of commentary and opinion. All links are in the description. Now back to the pod. And then you mentioned coming to England. Was yeah. that deliberately to see some of those bands? Yeah, so um, yeah, so what had happened is um, I had been to the to London a couple times uh, after 2007 and really enjoyed going back there every so often. And uh, it just at one point, you know, because I was so into music, um, I decided uh, I'm going to take two weeks. I'm going to go to the UK and I don't want to just go to London because I've already seen that. I want to travel around. So I had this wild idea to get a rail pass. And my idea was I'm going to go over there and just look in the enemy and see who's playing and go to a different uh, town every day Amazing. And, and go to see <laughs> and go to see a different band play. And, you know, some of them were more eventful than others, but um, I saw like, let's see, like some of the ones that were not so great, like are impressive. Like I saw a uh, new young pony club in Liverpool, right. Uh, which was just all right. But um, got to see Claxons in Manchester. Um, and a couple of the ones that stood out were, I mentioned also, I went to, uh, well, I went to Nottingham and I went to see Wild Beasts. And this was before their album came out, I think. And there were only maybe, I don't know, 40 people there. So it was pretty small gig. And uh, after the show, I of course hung around because I didn't have to work the next day again. <laughs> And uh, start talking to the the drummer, and then pretty soon the singer Hayden and bass player uh, or the other I can't remember you know uh, one of the other guys came out. And anyway, we just started talking about music, and it was kind of a funny, weird vibe because I was talking about how much I liked their music, and I was like, you know, I think you could do well in the U.S. And I was asking them about how they signed to Domino and all this stuff. And I, I got this impression later, like thinking about 
they probably think I'm like from some record company <laughs> or, or like some press person or something. And, uh, cause it would be weird for an American to come over and meet this band who, who hadn't even released an album yet. Um, and they had, they were pretty down cause they had just had their van broken into on tour. And, uh, but I think from what I could tell, it was, it was cool that they were like, Oh, we have an American fan, you know? <laughs> so so that was cool. Uh, another one, I haven't really heard anybody talk about this band, but I went down to uh, Pool in Dorset. Oh, yeah. Uh, nice see, place. Yeah, it was nice. And I saw this uh, band, uh, Pete and the Pirates. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They, I remember them having like a big single. Yeah. And uh, it was the same kind of thing. It was a, well, fairly small show. And afterwards, I talked to the guy, Thomas Sanders, I think is his name. Um, they're from Reading, I think. And um, anyway, I just told him, you know, I came over here and touring and, you know, looking, watching bands, come to see bands and uh, really liked your stuff. And, you know, we talked about music a long time. And he was like, so are you a journalist? I was like, no. He's like, well, maybe you should be. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> eh. But um but yeah, so that was um, a little bit of a, uh, a splurge to go and do that. But it, it was something I wanted to do. And I was able to see the country much more and see, you know, Manchester and Liverpool and some, you know, some of the towns and cities around the UK, which was great. And I'll just mention, like, when I was in London, uh, I was staying at this, like, bed and breakfast. And there's this old guy. He's probably, like, in his 70s. And uh, I, I was leaving london and i said i'm going up to manchester taking the train to manchester and he said oh better be careful up there it's dodge city it's rough <laughs> and i got up there and i was like what are you talking about this is great you know <laughs> and he's like oh uh, i've never been there myself but you know never been <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where was where was you like your favorite place you visited then ah well oh man it's it's hard to pick you know i didn't see you know i was in each place for like a day so uh you know nodding was cool bristol was nice um but i was drawn to manchester mostly because of the music uh influence you know being a big fan of like new order and the smiths and uh bands from that time and i you know really kind of learned about this whole madchester scene the factory records thing um you know the history of that was pretty mind blowing for me so yeah manchester was one of my favorites yeah yeah you mentioned like going to the likes of collections and new young pony club was like the new way of things something you got on board with uh yeah i would say um at the time when i was in florida a lot of my friends were more interested in i think they were more drawn to these bands that had keyboards um they probably most of them had never heard of new rave but there were bands coming out that had keys and they, you know, that was what my friends liked, you know, something like crystal castles, you know, Canadian band. And that seemed to be a big deal. Um, you know, whenever there was a band playing that, like I think I saw lady Tron play a couple times, they, you know, had a pretty big crowd. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of those bands, the new rave bands, they didn't really, you know, 
take off in the States. Um, but there were more like some of these bands that were I mean, similar kind of did like TV on the radio. I remember was pretty big. Um, so, I mean, I remember years later, I think we saw um, there was this Canadian band, Austra. And this may be been after 2010 or around 2010 or something. And I remember going to the show and I purposely showed up late uh, because I didn't really care to see the opening band. Turns out that the opener was Grimes. All right. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, uh, you know, she's pretty famous now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, you know, there, when I went to those shows, uh, you know, it, it, I could see as time went on, you know, the crowds got bigger and bigger, you know, uh, block party drew pretty well. Um, so, you know, they were never in like big venues, but you know, they were getting, it was, there was a steady growth to it, I would say. Yeah, like how, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk on the podcast that maybe guitar music isn't what it was, but what's your take on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's a tough question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, there's, there's bands I still listen to from that time. Like one of my favorites is, uh, British Sea Power. They're still around. I think, you know, they just released an album late last year. Uh, or earlier this year. Yeah. First of this year. Um, you know, yeah, I think if, from what I can tell you, young people aren't really interested in guitar bands right now, at least not that I know of. Um, but it's always going to come full circle. I mean, it's, it always does. Um, I think, uh, at some point there's going to be another rock revolution. It just, kind of has to be <laughs> yeah yeah so who knows what'll kick that off but i mean i can't say there's any like current like younger rock bands that i'm really listening to and maybe that's just because i'm a little old so <laughs> <laughs> i know you mean there's a few that I keep an eye on the only way like i get money music now is through spotify which is a bit depressing because i yeah. don't listen don't listen to uh, as much radio as i should do but there are a few new bands yeah. I think are quite good. Yeah, I mean, for for a long time, I you know still would get online, and you know instead of obviously MySpace, it was like it transitioned over time to other platforms and stuff. But like Spotify, um, but you know I'd still get online SoundCloud or whatever and try to check out bands. But I think three or four years ago, I kind of stopped doing that so much. I just didn't have the time but you know back going talking about this like spotify and stuff like i can remember back then uh well this would have been i don't remember when spotify like came out in the u.s but it's like really like i want to say like 2009 2010 something like that yeah yeah and at the time uh you know the a lot of the british bands like you couldn't hear their b-sides or you know singles because they weren't uh, uh they didn't have a uh, they weren't licensed or whatever i don't know why so they wouldn't have that on the us spotify so i had this mission to get like a uk spotify account right so i could you know check out this you know these these other songs that were not released 
And so I, <laughs> I went to the hassle of um, you had to have like a, a UK bank account to sign up for a UK Spotify. So one time I was over there and I had like changed one of my addresses for one of my banks to like a UK address. Right. So I could show I, you know, had a UK bank account or I, I went to the bank and I showed them like, I have an address here. Can I open an account? And I had gone to all this trouble to get this, you know, ad address on my statement. And they were like, ah, we don't need that. You can sign up for a bank <laughs> account. So I just opened a UK bank account and got the UK Spotify after all. So excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheaper so, than a VPN. Yeah, exactly. Well, I... <laughs> Probably back then I didn't know how to use one, but yeah. no, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I had I was talking to Ben from Bodega, uh, and he was talking about the radio, saying it wasn't as like linked up in America as it is here, so mm -hmm. that you couldn't really build kind of a scene. It's like hard to build scenes in America. You're saying, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, geographically much bigger country, and um, you know the first thing that pops into my mind is grunge because that was a scene that took off, you know, early nineties. Um, and a lot of that was MTV. Um, but you know, when the, I think when the internet took over, MySpace took over, um, you know, there wasn't, uh, MTV kind of lost a lot of its luster by that time. And you really weren't hearing new bands much from that. Um, so, I think, uh, you know, it kind of, I hate to say this, but a lot of kids in the U S were like, it was pitchfork. Uh, you know, they, they get online and look at pitchfork. And again, maybe this was later, like 2009, 2010 or something, but you know, they, they'd read these reviews on pitchfork and that's what they'd listen to. And it was like this kind of hipster culture. I hate to say it, but, um, you know, and, and with my background and, you know, my love of the British bands, I used to kind of have this, uh, I despise the, the American music press because they'd always pan the, the British bands. They'd say things like, oh, they're just too weird or too artsy or, you know, whatever. And I specifically remember there was a, a review for this Bombay Bicycle Club album, um, a different kind of fix. I think it was like 2010 or so came out and the pitchfork review, you can look it up. It's like the guy is just, Oh, they're just uh, trying to sound radio friendly and not authentic. And they're, you know, this is just uh, sugar. It's not good stuff. And he still gave him like a seven out of 10, because I think that was like, to me, it's a brilliant <laughs> album. And I think that was like the lowest score he could get away with because it's, you know, an amazing album. And if it would have been an American band that released the same album, they would have loved it, you know? So, um, so there was that kind of bias in the press, I think. Um, but, you know, earlier, like in the eighties or early nineties, you know, the alternative stuff, it was like, that's what the cool kids listened to. And then, you know, at some point the alternative scene became mainstream, but still in, you know, early, you know, in the early two thousands, it was, um, you know, the cool kids were still, in my opinion, <laughs> were still finding these like more obscure bands, you know, that's what you did. Um, but anyway, going back to your question, yeah, I think like the geographic thing, I mean, there's obviously a scene in New York, there's a scene in LA, 
but you know these these other cities around the country they don't it's it's a bit disconjointed a bit and it's probably pretty tough for an american band to get like national recognition i would say so and then yeah i've just been putting together a video for youtube about kind of bands reforming and who i'd like to see reform from that time is there anyone that jumps out to you that you'd like to see reform uh well like you know some of the bands i really liked from that period um uh of course i'd love to see them play like uh again if they ever did reform like the rakes um maybe um think about that for a second um <laughs> yeah i should approach on that uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh i would say like i don't you see i don't know like these bands the bands i'm thinking of are like probably never going to reform but Hmm. you know like uh future heads uh i don't know did they did they reform no they keep going yeah they've kept going okay uh like uh i really like that first young knives album oh yeah that was that was a great one um spent a little bit of money to get that on vinyl <laughs> uh, <laughs> should try and get them on actually yeah yeah um and of course the editors are still going i've seen them a couple times hmm. uh um but yeah i'm trying to think of like not anybody but jumps out at me that like is not still around um, what's your take on the reforming thing though do you think you know do you think it's kind of different for different bands or i don't know really do you think it works you know i think um you know there's a couple different ways to look at it like you can look at it as a nostalgia thing um and that's fine you know if that's what you want to do if you want to if the bands want to do a nostalgia thing I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I, for me, it's like, I prefer if it's a band I really like, you know, I want them to make new music and, you know, that's the preference, but that being said, not every band that reforms makes great music. Obviously like an example was I was a big fan of suede and, you know, after they broke up and then reformed, it's like, I've tried listening to them after and, I just can't get into it. So um, I don't, but generally speaking, I, I think it's fine. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are the last few gigs you've been to kind of thing? Uh, let's see. Um, actually a couple months ago saw Metronomy here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Um, I really like, uh, you know, in my mind, like Metronomy is like the anti-oasis in a way. Cause <laughs> Joe Mount is like this really kind of quiet, like personable guy, not flashy. And it's, you know, like they're not like trying to be the biggest band in the world. And he's like, you know, this is my little band. Here we are. We play music. Uh, and yeah, I think they're great. Um, and let's see. I Do they have festivals in Budapest and stuff? Yeah. So there's a, there's a festival called Siget Festival uh in august and uh it's seven days which is pretty wow. massive and, mentally. yeah and it's uh i remember i've been to the full seven days twice and it's it's a you know it's a marathon i mean <laughs> but the the best part about it is i was you know a lot of people come here they camp out 
I was able to go to the festival and then go sleep in my own bed, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> that helps quite a bit. Um, Camping for a week is mad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so this, uh, this Siget Festival is quite big. Um, and yeah, I've seen, you know, quite a few bands there, like Arctic Monkeys. Uh, um, another one that was came later that was pretty, that I liked a lot was, um, oh gosh, what's their name? Um, the Palm of Violets. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they were pretty good. Um, let's see, of course, Claxons played there. Um, Last Shadow Puppets as well. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs played there once I saw. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's different in the way that, you know, the festival here, it's bands from all over. It's not just focused on any particular genre or, uh, uh, you know, bands from a certain place. So, um, you know, you just kind of pick your pick your moments and pick the bands you want to see. And, you know, nowadays if I go, it's like, Oh, there's one day when there's maybe two or three bands I want to see. And, you know, so, but yeah, the, the full seven days is madness. So, <laughs> but I, I have some friends that, that go, I have a friend, a British friend of mine who's uh, he keeps the, you know, the bands on his uh, yeah. wrist and he's been going for, of course, during COVID it was not going, but he's got like something like 22 years of, these bands on his wrist it's, what? it's insane yeah that is mad it's <laughs> yeah. like a, but it's like a full tattoo sleeve or something yeah <laughs> so yeah it's uh definitely like a, a big deal here yeah i mean i'm i'm obviously not like typical of most of the u.s fans i think because like you know most of my fan, uh, friends are just they uh don't know a lot of this stuff that i do um but, you know, uh, I had a friend in the States, like I said, that was at working a record store, this guy, Jason Quick, and he, you know, really influenced me. And I think that's, that's a lot of, it. it's just word of mouth. It's like you, you get friends that are into stuff and they show you things and that's how it's, uh, how it works now, nowadays, I don't know. I mean, of course it's easier. You can find a band online on Spotify or whatever, and send it to your friends. It's much easier. You know, back in the day we had to, to drive, like, I remember it was like uh, you know, mid nineties or late nineties. It was like, Oh, there's a new CD single coming out from, you know, suede or blur or pulp or somebody let's drive two hours to Chicago to go buy the CD single. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's mad. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pod. Pod. Pod.